0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Wow, it's so good to be here together with you. For those who are online, it's so good to be with you as well that you could join us. And, uh, and for all of you who are gathered here together, fantastic that we can be uh, together. I just, every time we come, I'm like, I'm reminded, yes, this is an opportunity we have to connect uh, with each other. And um, uh, one of the things that I, I would like to, us to share is a way of connecting that's just brought a lot of life to me as we uh, go down this fifth message um, that we have in the, the road to freedom. Uh, I know for me, it's, 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 uh, something that has brought a lot of joy in my life um, and uh, and led to freedom even when encountering difficult uh, uh, challenges, so what I would like us to do, and this is just to prepare you for some who like like to think a little bit longer uh, about it, is to share one sentence of what 's brought you joy this week. So you can think about that. I'm going to share a few examples so you don't have to, uh, you know, have a little bit of moment to think about it. But one example uh, that's brought joy to you in this life, and the challenge is, of course, in one sentence with someone, uh, and then, uh, of course, after the the message, I I know there's a backstory to it. Uh, You can share that with the the person with you as you go for coffee or whatever. But um, joy is multiplied when we share it with someone else. When we tell someone our story, what happened that brought joy, or, or it could be something that we're thankful for. And, uh, and I know for, for me this week, uh, just to give a couple of examples, um, our daughter um, Marie came home from college. Uh, and so we got to see her this week. Uh, and so that brought me joy. Um, It could be uh, something deeper. I I know this week I had the opportunity to be in Poland um, and hear the stories uh, and worship together and pray with people from Ukraine and people who are serving Ukrainians all across Europe. That brought me joy. And while I was there, I I saw something I hadn't seen um, ever before in my life, at least not presented that way. Um, I had the opportunity to eat some honeycomb, and that brought me joy, so it could be something simple or whatever it may be and if you 're at home and you 're uh, share that with someone that you 're watching with if you 're alone, take a journal or a piece of paper, write it down, and find a, someone to share that with this week uh, or ask them what their, what brought them joy this week it 'll lead to an interesting conversation so Um, We're just going to take even less than a minute, but someone next to you shares something in one sentence that brought you joy this week. Okay, I, there may be some long sentences I hear. <laughs> if you uh if you didn't get to share your joy, that will just be an opportunity to to do that after the service. Um but uh but I wish we could all hear each other's stories, what you had to share. And you know, it does multiply when we share joy with one another. It it it's like uh, it just like i like, man. There's so many things that are being going that are being said here. Uh, I wish I could hear them all. Um, so uh, love the laughter, love uh, yeah, just the conversation and the connecting that that brings. That's what we're here for: is to connect with one another. And this this uh, sermon uh, today, this message today, um, is going to be continuing on the road to freedom. Johann started us off uh with uh, kind of introducing this whole sermon series uh and specifically uh a, a message on stress i i was feeling that this morning as i was preparing and on the road i was looking at my notes and then all of a sudden i looked up and i was like rhonda you're on the wrong road and she was on the right road <laughs> but i was stressed and then on the way uh i was like uh I said, okay, let's just do what I'm about to preach. Let's take a moment. What brought us joy this week? And that kind of shifted the whole conversation in the car from time of stress and tension, trying to be here on time, to, uh, to joy and what brought us joy. So, you know, um, Johan, uh, thank you for leading us out in, in this. Uh, you know, how do we deal with stress? And then Anna talked about emotions and emotional health. And particularly, how does that lead into the whole area of loneliness? Uh, And then Sean took that further with this whole topic of loneliness and, and our relational health. And how do we manage that individually as families and as a community? And in our community around us where loneliness is actually perhaps more epidemic than coronavirus ever was. So thank you for that lead-in, and today we are going to be talking about facing giants. And so I thought that was another great reason to have a time of joy because joy builds our faith, and what more do we need than faith to address the giants that are in our lives, the giants that are around us? And as some of you would know, I think all of us perhaps, uh, one of the the most well-known stories in the Bible about facing giants, you could probably say it, David and Goliath, right? There's a lot, actually there's a number of stories about giants in the scriptures. We're not gonna go into all of those. We are gonna focus on David and Goliath because it's so well known, but there's a lot of things, and I hope some new things even for us to unpack today that you might not have thought about before about a story that's so well known. It's so well known that I, I looked it up It's actually in the Oxford Dictionary, David and Goliath. Uh, And so um, I'll just read it, what they say there. It says, David and Goliath is used to describe a situation in which a small or weak person or organization tries to defeat another much larger or stronger opponent. You know we see that all around us, and in fact, on the news you'll hear it. Even uh, you know in in the in the broadcasts about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. It's a David and Goliath story. Here in Amsterdam, I, I, I was looking up. I was like, oh yeah, there's there's this huge statue of David, of rather of Goliath and David, um and his and glass shield builder at the Amsterdam Museum. Um, Goliath is like five point something meters tall. Uh, in that statue, it was built in 1650. It was carved as a wooden statue in 1650. And for those who might think about Dutch history, that was right after the Dutch Spanish War ended. And the Netherlands were the David, and Spain was the Goliath. That finished in 1648. That statue was finished in 1650, right after, to celebrate for the Netherlands hey, we are the Davids. We defeated Goliath. So it's been used many times throughout uh, our own history here in the Netherlands, our current going, what's going on around the world. Malcolm Gladwell, some of you might know him, a best-selling author, he he wrote Tipping Point and a number of others, Uh, but he also wrote a book in 2013, a few years ago, called David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. So even in secular, secular New, York best, uh, New York Times bestseller, um, you know, here's a book on David and Goliath. And one of his most quoted lines in that book about David is, he was an underdog and a misfit. And that gave him the freedom to try things no one else even dared to dream of. So what are your dreams this morning? What are the dreams that even for these last two years, it's like, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. I know one of those for us as a community is to be together, and here we are. But what are those things that, that are, that there's dreams where there's, as it were, giants in our lives, in your life, that may be holding you back from seeing those dreams come true, from seeing God's purposes in your life being fulfilled We hear David and Goliath in all kinds of things, whether it's in in the world news, whether it's in business or sports. But also, let's take a look at what did it actually mean to the Israelites of the time. Let's take a look at as well, what does it mean for us today, for you in your situation? With this well-known story, I think there's some things that we can uncover um, and let's do that by starting to read it. We're going to read different portions of it from 1 Samuel 17. Uh, we'll start in 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. And it says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Now, a little backstory here uh, the context Israel had just anointed themselves a king. Even against God's better uh, plans for them. They said, that's what we want. And Samuel anointed King Saul. And it wasn't long after that where he had let down not only God but also his people. And they had a small army, they were fairly weak. He had sent most of them home. They weren't very well um, equipped. Uh, Saul and his son Jonathan were really the only ones with armor, uh, it says. They were pretty poorly equipped. And the Philistines, um, Saul's son, Jonathan, had started, you know, going after them and uh, taking, taking different uh, uh, opportunities to, to gain territory, to fulfill God's promise for Israel. This was to be the promised land. And they had lost a lot of it. Well, that didn't make the Philistines too happy. And they also saw a very weak army. And so they came into the valley or rather to the hills, um, and they encamped on the other side. Here it says, they occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. The Philistines were looking for where they could take opportunity for the vulnerabilities of Israel. And so both of them were encamped on hills, so those are strong places, but the valley, the valley is a place of vulnerability. The valley is a place where if you get attacked, you, you're going up against people who are coming against you. So, the valley is a place of weakness. And they were both trying to have a place of power. The valley is the low place. And sometimes we've encountered things in the valley in our own lives. We've gone into the valley of the shadow. And we've gone through some difficult times even in these last years. We've been in the valley. Maybe you feel like you're in a valley right now. And what happens there? (laughs) Then it says, a champion named Goliath from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. So let's take a notice. This isn't just an enemy that's coming out against the Philistines. It's their champion. He's undefeated. He is coming out against them. So you're in the valley. You're in this battle. You're weak. And now all of a sudden you have a giant coming out to you, a champion, an undefeated one. Highlighted there for a purpose that he was a champion. Later we'll hear King Saul talk about that Goliath had been a warrior since his youth. And that's who the enemy is that's coming out into the valley. And as it says, as it continues, he was a giant of a man, over nine feet tall, over three meters tall. Now let's just stop there for a second. That's massively tall. I know I'm kind of tall, but I know anytime I have to look up to someone, I'm just under two meters Uh, If I look up to someone, I think, oh, my goodness, that's a tall person. (laughs) Well, imagine David. (laughs) Imagine any one of the Israelites who are out there. Their average height, I think, uh, what I read was about 1 meter 60. So uh, about five, a little less than five foot, uh, five and a half feet for those who use that system. So he was looking at someone who's like one and a half times his size. The Israelites were looking at someone who was one and a half times their size. And Saul, who it says was a head over everyone else, he would have been shorter than me actually. Um, He was looking at someone that was super big. And I know some texts uh, look um, like from the, the Septuagint. I was looking at this, says that that it was four cubits and and uh, a span instead of six cubits and a span. Even so, that's still about uh, that's over two meters tall. Uh, so even but the the most the oldest uh, translations, as I understand it, talk about what's equivalent to almost three meters tall. He was a giant of a person. And then he was wearing, on top of being huge, he was wearing a huge bronze helmet with a coat of bronze armor that weighed about 125 pounds, 58 kilos. That's as much as some of us who are here weigh. So he was like wearing this armor on top of him. He wore bronze leggings and slung a huge bronze javelin over his back, the iron spearhead Alone, just the spearhead, just the tip of the javelin weighed 15 pounds, that's seven kilos. And a soldier with a large shield always walked in front of Goliath. Best armor, biggest enemy, getting the picture of the enemy that the Israelites were facing, the giant that they were facing. What's not in this passage is that actually Goliath had four brothers as well. There were other giants that actually needed to be slayed, other giants that needed to come down. They were also part of that army, but this was the biggest one of them all. What about the enemy that's facing us? What about the enemy that's facing you? The giant that you're facing. What's the name of that giant? I don't think it's Goliath. Goliath but maybe it's fear, we talked about that, or rejection, or comfort, or anger, or addiction. What's the name of the giant that you're facing? Whatever the giant is, I have a spoiler alert. (laughs) The good news of this story is that giant comes down. That giant must fall. That giant, no matter how big it is, is going to come down. Because we have a God who's bigger. We have a God who's bigger than a nine foot giant. We have a God that's bigger than someone that's oversized at three meters. God is way bigger. And so with that picture in mind, there's still a few other lessons that we can learn in this from David facing Goliath. Because there's also an even bigger news from this story. An even greater spoiler alert. You and I are not David in this story. Sometimes we put ourselves into the story and think, oh, I I need to be the David. I need to get my five stones, and and I need to go out there and and sling them and take down the giant. We are not David in this this story. So, spoiler alert... (laughs) Jesus is the one that story is pointing to. Jesus is the one who takes down the Goliath, who takes down the giants in our lives. It's his power. And yes, he lives in us. He invites us to abide in him, to be in him, to remain in him and us in him. But it's not by our strength. It's not by our power. It's not by how good I can throw a sling. It's by His power. It's by His Spirit. So that's the spoiler alert. It's Jesus who is the one who is going to bring down your giant, whatever the name of that giant is. But even so, it doesn't mean there aren't giants in the valley that are out there facing us, looking to take care, looking for the place of vulnerability, looking for how they can overcome. And there's dreams that you have on your heart. There's dreams that God's put in your life. There's dreams that God has for who you are. And the enemy's trying to take those down. He's trying to take you out but God has dreams for your life. He's put dreams inside of you. So I'd like us also to look at a few lessons that we can learn from David, because we can learn from from David a few lessons in this story regarding the giants that we face. And the first one, we look back at David's life, there was a delay, there was a delay. We're gonna get to when David gets there But before David, David's not even in this picture yet. There was a delay. David was back with his father tending sheep. David's own father held him back. He had been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. He was anointed for this role. He was anointed to take out the giant. But David's father was holding him back tending the sheep. So let's take a look at that. First Samuel 17, verse 12 through 15 is kind of a, a, um, a few things that we can see in this part of the passage. It said, now David was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons. And part of you think, oh, he's taking care of his youngest son. But also we remember the story of when David was anointed. David wasn't even brought up among the seven sons to be anointed, It took Samuel to say, hey, isn't there one more son that you have? David was a bit forgotten. He was out with the sheep. And his three older brothers were enlisted in Saul's army. They were the ones that were on the battlefront. They were on the front line. But David was held back to care for the sheep in Bethlehem. So the first barrier that David encountered to seeing God's dreams taking place was that he was being held back, even by his own father, Jesse. But finally, Jesse sent him with some bread and some cheese for his son's commanders to see how they were doing. And while David was there, he hears about David uh, Goliath and sees how frightened everyone was. So the second dream buster that David encountered was discouragement. Everyone was afraid. Let's look at 1st Samuel 17:8 to 11. Each day Goliath would stand and shout at the ranks of Israel's army. "Why do you come out here and line up for battle? Choose one man to fight me. If he's able to kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us." Day after day, Goliath taunted them saying, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, everyone was deeply shaken and paralyzed with fear. Everyone was demoralized and gripped with fear. Even the king, who was the one who was supposed to take the armies out into battle, who was to be the one who would take down the champion of the enemy. So frightened they couldn't do a thing. They were paralyzed. Does that feel like any environment that you might be in? <laughs> Anyone in any situation that you might be encountering where people around you, or maybe even yourself, feel paralyzed at work or with a friend. People don't want take, to take a risk. Here comes a kid along who didn't know that it couldn't be done. Why were people so paralyzed? They were listening to the wrong voice. For 40 days, it says in verse 16, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant loudly berated the Israelite army. Who says it can't be done? Whose voice are you listening to? I know for me, uh, one of the challenges I've had is a voice that I keep hearing over and over in my own life of, "Oh, you didn't get this done right. You didn't get this done. Um, oh, you've got a list of things to do. Well, you didn't get all those done. You're just a nothing. You're not important. You're not anything about identity." <laughs> and that voice is, "If I don't get something right, well." I think someone could say that sounds like perfectionism, but there you go. There's a voice day and night, day and night, day and night for 40 days. For some of us, it's longer than 40 days that we've been listening to this voice, taunting us, telling you the lies of the enemy, telling me the lies of the enemy. There's an enemy that's out there taunting whose voice are we listening to if we listen to negative statements long enough we will start to get negative with others you can actually start worshipping what you give your attention to what is it that we're giving our attention to are we worshipping the giant how big it is how mighty it is how it's invincible it is how it's never been defeated in my life I've never seen victory in this area of my life before. Day and night, day and night, day and night. Maybe I'm just telling myself the same thing over and over and over again. For me, it's that lie. Oh, you're just nothing. You're nothing. You didn't get that done. You're nothing. Someone else got that. You're nothing. What's the lies that you've been listening to? Because there's another side of what we can listen to. There's another place that we can put our attention. But let's see what happened with David and his brothers in the army of Israel. In verse 23 and 24, David talked with his brothers on the front line. He saw Goliath start shouting his usual threats to the Israel's army. And when the army heard Goliath, They all ran away in terror. Another dream buster is disapproval. David asked, what's the reward for this Philistine and ending this disgraceful abuse? When David's older brother heard this, he burned with anger and said, why are you even here anyway? Why aren't you taking care of your strawny little flock of sheep? You little brat, I know how conceited you are. And then David says, now what have I done? Can't I even ask a question? Does that sound familiar to some families? (laughs) Maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your... This is something that happens on sibling rivalry, family dynamic going on here. Sometimes our own family doesn't even want to see us succeed. Sometimes our own family doesn't want to see the dream that we have fulfilled. And there's another dream buster, if you will, and that's the whole area of disapproval. We want everyone to like us. We want that approval. That can be the greatest addiction that there is, is getting approval from others. But when God gives you a dream that others are afraid to attempt, you will be misunderstood and misjudged. Your faith has to be in Jesus and not in the approval of others. Fourth item that David faced was doubt. Am I capable of this? The expert, the king, he doubted his ability. How would that feel? Don't worry about a thing, David said to the king. I'll fight the Philistines. Don't be ridiculous, said Saul. There's no way you can go against the Philistines. You're only a boy. And he's been a professional warrior all his life. Teenagers who are here, young people who are here, listen up. God has a plan for your life. Whatever your age, God has a plan for your life. What David, did David do to see these giants come down? And what can we rely on? It's Jesus. Because remember, we are not David in this story. This story is pointing to Jesus. So David remembered how God helped him in the past. In verse Samuel 17, he said, In protecting sheep, I have killed both a lion and a bear. The Lord who delivered me from the teeth of that lion and the claws of that bear will surely now deliver me from this Philistine too we can recall how God has won the victory in the past in our lives. And then David didn't use Saul's armor. Verses 38 to 40 summarize, says, Then Saul dressed David in his own armor, but David said, I can't go out in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and instead he chose five smooth stones for his sling. We don't need to put on someone else's armor. Paul said in Ephesians to put on the armor of the Lord, truth, righteousness, salvation, peace, faith in the word of God. People will try to load you with many things, but instead we can put our trust in the completed work of Christ. And we see the same thing, David. He, in verse, uh, later in David's life, he says, when others were speaking against him, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's What Jesus did too when he came at the cross. It wasn't about his fame. It wasn't actually about David's fame. It was about God's fame. This last verse, David shouted to Goliath, you come at me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Today the Lord will conquer you, and the whole world will know that there is a God, and everyone will know that the Lord doesn't need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. You see, it is God's battle. It's not ours. It's not yours. Ultimately, it's not your battle. It's God's. And David wasn't looking at someone twice his size, just in fear. That's not where he had his eyes. David had his eyes higher than the nine-foot giant in front of him. He had his eyes on the Lord God, who was far bigger than that giant. He wasn't worshiping the giant. He wasn't in awe and fear of the giant. He was in awe and fear of the Lord God Almighty because he knew he was the one who could take down that giant. And Jesus is the one who can take down the giants in our lives. He's the one that we can look to. And so I want to encourage us to do that together. One of the ways that we, we do that actually is through joy, through faith in him. Also, one of the ways is through prayer. And I want to invite us to do that Uh, as we come together. We'll, We'll have an opportunity to continue your joy stories after the service is over. But I invite you to bring those fears, to bring those giants before him and say, Lord, this is not my battle. This is your battle. And Jesus, it's you who will deliver. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.